Hey, good morning, everybody, and thank you so much for joining us today at Bible Baptist Church Online. We hope that today will be a blessing to you and a help to you, and uh, hopefully you'll be able to learn something from the Word of God today. And just before we get started, I did want to apologize for something that I said last week. Um, I gave you some misinformation, and so I need to apologize for that. I was talking about the parable of the talents, and the Lord gave one five, and I, I said that the second one was given three Unfortunately, the second one was only given two, so I apologize for that, and he ended up uh, with only having four. So I'm sorry for that. I, I don't like to give misinformation, and I don't like to, uh, especially when it comes to the Word of God, and so I apologize for that. So uh, I hope that we'll be able to get through today's lesson and t- today's message without uh, having any mistakes, but uh, I hope you'll forgive me for that. Well, let's go ahead and have a word of prayer, and if you would, take your Bibles, turn to Colossians chapter 3. And we'll get started today. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for all you do for us. Thank you for loving us and for keeping us safe. Father, I pray that as we look at your word today that you would just guide us and direct us. Help us to see the way that you would have us to go. And Father, help us to follow your path. Help us to love you and continue to grow closer to you. Thank you so much for dying on the cross for our sins. And Father, we love you for it. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Colossians chapter 3, if you would, and while you're turning there, i give you a little bit of a story. There was a man that began to climb a mountain, and before he uh, began to climb, he used to uh, climb all kinds of different mountains. He was an experienced climber. He knew what he was doing. However, this was a new climb for him. He had not climbed this mountain before, and without uh, really giving it any thought, he just began to climb. He didn't plan ahead didn't really think too much about it and just began to climb this mountain for an enjoyable, really, day, couple days. And uh, as he began to climb, he got to about noon and uh, began to make camp a little bit and just sit down and have a meal. And he began to look out over the whole landscape and think about how beautiful this place was. And he just began to thank God for allowing him to be able to see such a beautiful landscape. And he just really enjoyed this time, and he sat there for quite a little while. And before long, a storm came rolling in. And instead of this camper, this hiker, uh, making camp right there, he decides that he's going to continue to climb. So this storm rolls in, and he uh, really tarried there too long. He stayed too long, and he begins to climb. And before long, night falls in, and now he's in the middle of a climb. It's starting to get cold and damp because of the storm, and there's fog, and he can't see anything. And in his mind, he began to think, I can't see anything. Um, I don't know what to do. And he began to pray and say, God, would you just guide my steps? And he, he's thinking this, God is going to guide me. God is going to direct me in every step. So he's continuing to climb, and to be honest, he didn't know if he was going up, down, or sideways, left, right. He, he really didn't know. As he begins to climb, he reaches out over this outlying uh, ledge, and he tries to move across it, and when he does, he slips, and he falls. And as he's falling, he begins to think about how close death is getting. Begins to think about his life, and his life begins to pass before him. And you know, it it doesn't seem, he's not falling for very long, but everything begins to flash in front of you. And all of a sudden, he feels the rope that was tied around his waist give him an incredible tug and stop his body. His body just hung limp in the air. Only the rope was holding him. And in that moment of stillness, he had no other choice but to call out to God. And he cried out, God, help me. 
all of the sudden a voice came from the sky and answered, what do you want me to do? The man replied, save me. God said this, do you really believe that I can save you? The man replied, of course I believe. God asked this, well, do you, will you do exactly as I tell you? The man replied, of course, I will do whatever you ask of me. God's reply was this, then trust me and cut the rope tied to your waist. Free yourself and you will be saved. As you can imagine, there was a moment of silence. You see, the rope was the only thing holding this man, keeping him from falling. The man began to weep. He clutched that rope even tighter. He began to feel the cold and the darkness begin to wrap itself around him. He did not hear the voice from heaven again. The next morning, a rescue team reported that a climber was found dead and frozen, hanging just three feet above the ground. He was three feet from salvation, three feet from continuing to live. Let me ask you this question this morning. Do you really believe God? Do you really believe what he says? Do you really trust in God? Do you really believe that the ways of Jesus Christ are the ways to live? If you were in that situation, would you have cut the rope? Listen, all of us tend to think that as long as it makes sense to us, we will trust God. As long as it makes sense to us, we will you know, take that next step. But so often, things that God asks us to do just simply don't make sense. In the light of this, this man, again, the, the clouds, the fog, everything was encompassing him and he could not see simply three feet below him, even in the darkness. And all he had to do was simply cut the rope and he would have been saved. Sometimes God gives us instruction. Let me read a verse for you, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Maybe you know it. The Bible says this, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. You see, the first verse, verse 5, tells us that we should trust in the Lord. But it also says that we should lean not to our own understanding. My father-in-law always used to say it this way. You can't have it both ways. You can't have it both ways. You can't trust in the Lord and lean unto your own understanding. It's one or the other. In the case of this climber, he leaned to his own understanding. He thought, this is not going to work. And he ended up dying. You see, sometimes God's ways don't make sense to us. It's just the honest truth. Sometimes God's ways don't make sense to us. Sometimes God's ways are not the way that we think we should go. But again, if we will invest into his way, we will see great and mighty things which we know not. So the question is this. How exactly are we supposed to invest? 
how exactly are we supposed to in, in, invest in our lives into the kingdom of God? Give us some specifics. Tell us exactly what to do. I want to show you this morning simply seven investments that will give you incomprehensible rewards. So I want to preach to you a message, basically this, running the risk. Running the risk. You think about that man holding onto that rope. Was he running there? He was thinking about it. Did he cut the rope? He did not run the risk of cutting the rope. So I'm going to encourage you this morning, run the risk. If I can say it another way, just go for it. Just try it. Just try God's way. Number one, I want you to see the pursuit of unity. The pursuit of unity. Look with me in verse 10 of Colossians chapter 3. The Bible says, And have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge, after the image of him that created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Above all these things put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. See, I want to note, you to notice first of all in this first uh, passage that there is no one better than anyone else. Let me say that again. There is no one better than anyone else. In Christ, there is no one better than anyone else. In Christ, we are no different from one another. There is no ethnicity, hear me, there is no ethnicity better than one another. Listen to this, there is no gender better one over another. There is no title, there is no job, there is no circumstance that makes us better than someone else. Again, verse 11 tells us that Christ is our all and in all. He is our all in all. He is the one who fills us. He is the one who hopes, helps us. He is the one who contains us and helps us live our lives in the way that we ought to go. So let me just call this out. Stop thinking of yourself more highly than you ought to think. Start pursuing unity. If I'm going to invest my life, I need to pursue unity. I need to quit thinking the way, thinking that I am something special. I need to quit thinking that I am something wonderful. I need to start, look, look with me here in verse 12, put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies. So here we go. I just need to start being merciful. I need to start being merciful. I need to start being kind. I need to start being humble. I need to start being meek. All of these things are in our passage there in verse 12. By the way, I want to stop at meekness. Meekness, I hope you understand this morning, is power under control. It's power under control. So do you have the power to be rude? Yes, you do. But meekness says, I'm going to be kind. Sure, you have the power to be unkind, but meekness has, uh, restricts that power and says, I'm not going to. Sure, I can fly off the handle at somebody. Sure, I can, and again, you fill in the blank, but I want you to understand this. Meekness is saying, no, I have the power to do so, but I will not do it. Here's an, another one. 
It says in uh, the end of verse 12, the last word is long suffering. Just suffer long. Suffer long. And then in verse 13, he begins with forbearing one another. So we're suffering and we're forbearing. We're putting up with. We're, we're, we're being patient. We're being long-suffering. Forbear. Not only that, but he says this, forgive. Listen, I could spend all day here. But just let the words of Christ ring in your ears. He's not going to tell us twice. He doesn't need to tell us twice. You see, these are all things that, that we, man, they're simple. They're basic. We lay them out all the time. We say these things, but m- very few of us live them. And I'm not including myself in that few. Many times that I won't forgive somebody. Many times that I go and be frustrated with somebody. There are many times where I am unkind. There are many times uh, where I do not forbear. There are many times where I do not suffer long. But listen, God's word says long-suffering, forbear, forgive. Not only does it say that, but it continues. Verse 14, it says, And above all these things put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. Love. Make a decision to love. Make a decision to love. That's, that's all it is. It's just making a decision. I, you know what? I don't feel like loving that person. I'm going to make the decision to love. By the way, notice, none of these things have anything to do with what the other person does. You notice that? It doesn't say only forgive if they ask for forgiveness. It doesn't say that. You notice with me that it doesn't say to be kind if they are kind to you. No, it's, it, it is not have anything to do with what the other person does. This is our responsibility. If we're going to invest in the kingdom of God, then we must pursue unity. You say, Pastor Yeomans, you don't know what they did. You're right, I don't. But God's ways don't have caveats. God's ways don't have uh, differences for what someone else does to us. So let me just be very short and very simple this morning. If you are holding on to hate, if you are holding on to what someone else has done to you or what someone else said to you, listen to me, you will be far more happy if you just give it to God. Just give it to God. Look at this, verse 15. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which also you are called in one body and be thankful can I just very simply give you this just leave it with God you see the majority of us think that we have to make somebody uh, pay for what they've done to us we have to make somebody uh, uh, feel sorry for what they've done to us listen Let's just be kind. Let's just be meek. Let's just be quiet. Let's be gentle. Let's have mercy. Let's forgive. Let's forbear. And let God take care of the rest. It's it's not our responsibility to make other people and judge them, make them do what God wants them to do. Listen, that's God's responsibility. I'm responsible for me. Just continue to let God take care of the other person. Here, Here it is. You take care of you and let God take care of them. Pursue unity. Pursuing unity. And you do that by destroying pride. Our pride definitely wants to get back. 
We need to have bowels of mercies. We need to have kindness. We have need to have meekness. And the list, again, continues. So number one, the pursuit of unity. Number two, the presence of the word of God. Look at verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Understanding a hope. This one seems pretty obvious, right? We've been publishing for quite some time now every, every day a, a, a Bible reading schedule. Let me ask you this question. That how often are you in the Word of God? You see, it seems obvious to us that, that we should be in the Word of God, but listen, we just don't. We just aren't. I was talking to Pastor Levi last week after I preached last week and we began to talk about that delayed gratification. We talked about wanting to read our Bibles and uh, often we're not blown away by the information that we're receiving. It's not like, whoa, I just read something spectacular. There are times where that happens and it's awesome when that happens. But for the most part, when we're reading our Bible daily, we're not getting mind-blowing experiences. And anyway, Pastor Levi and I were talking, and uh, we, we just were talking about eating, right? Like, when I eat meals, not every meal that I eat is a mind-blowing experience, or I should say a taste bud-blowing experience. It's not, okay? All of the meals are good. I, I don't have horrible meals. My wife's an excellent cook. And so I don't have these terrible meals, but I'm just saying, like, not every one of them is a mind-blowing experience. And so likewise, all of them have helped me and aided me to get to this point in my life. And I'm thankful for them. Sure, I could have skipped a few more. But listen, every one of them helped me grow. So the same is true of the Word of God. Let the nutrients of the Word of God just dwell in you. Everybody misses a day of reading the Bible. I want you to understand that. Anybody who tells you they don't is a way better man than I am. And that's fine. All of us will miss a day here and there, but please, listen, don't miss two in a row. Don't do it. I missed yesterday. You know what? I'm I'm sorry about that, but I will not miss today. Not happening. Okay? Let the presence of the Word of God be in you always. You have to put it in there. It's not going to do it on its own. I wish it did. I wish you could just sleep on it at night and it would just all infiltrate into your mind. But it doesn't. You must have the presence of the Word of God. It must dwell in you richly, which will help. Watch with verse 17. With verse 17, watch. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed... Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and Father and the Father by Him. If I'm going to let that word of Christ dwell in me richly, and I know what God wants me to do in every step of the way, I have God's will going on because I'm putting His word in my heart. Whatsoever I do in word or deed, I'm going to do all to the glory of God because I know what God wants to, me to do because His word is dwelling in me richly. I know I'm going to go faster these, but understand they're, they're simple. They don't take a lot, just, they don't take a lot of explanation. They're just there. Number three, positive submission. Positive submission. Look at verse 18. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands 
as it is fit in the Lord. Ah! All women just close their ears. Submission is almost a curse word. Don't say that. I know it's not a four-letter word, but man, it just doesn't come across very well. And sometimes, listen, in speaking to people about submission, submission is almost a laughable word anymore. Ha! Yeah, right. Like, I'm going to submit to that guy. It's almost like it's an archaic, old, terrible word. But this is an investment that, again, will give you incomprehensible rewards. We don't understand, and and it's labeled positive submission for a reason. The reason it's most women think of submission as negative This is a negative thing. But again, listen, it's God's word. It's God speaking. God showing us that, listen, if you want to invest your life as a lady, as a wife, then you must be in submission to your own husbands. And notice, please, ladies, that this doesn't say if your husband loves you the way that he ought to, then submit. No, it just simply says submit. Look, though. It says, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands. Watch this, as it is fit in the Lord. We know from Ephesians, as it says, as unto the Lord. So listen, you're not submitting to your husband because of your husband. Listen, if, if I'm just being honest, my wife, I, excuse me, I don't deserve for my wife to submit to me. I don't. I, I've, I make mistakes all the time. I mess up. I blow it. Well, listen, my wife ought not to submit to me. For me, she ought to submit because of God, for God. She's investing her life into God. Number three is positive submission. Number four, let's move on, is precious love. Precious love, verse 19. Husbands, love your wives. Watch this now. And be not bitter against them. Men, again, this is not a conditional statement. If she submits to me, then I will love her. No, 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 no. The Bible says, again, husbands, love your wife. This is not hard, guys. Just love her. Love her. And not love her the way that you want to love her. Love her the way that she needs to be loved. And listen, I've had to learn this. And I hate that I had to learn this. But I was loving my wife the way that I love I enjoy doing acts of service for her. That's my, me showing her that I love her. That does not show my wife that I love her. Doesn't. I enjoy doing things for her, but my, my wife doesn't receive love that way. And so I've got to figure out, I've got to ask her, I've got to study her. I've got to figure out how she receives love and love her that way. That's the way that we've got to work together. So love her. And I love, I love the way the Bible works. Husbands, love your wives, and I love this second part, and be not bitter against them. Be not bitter against them. And all men are like, like I'm bitter against my wife. No way. But let's think this through just for a minute. Men have a tendency to be bitter against their wives. Oftentimes we think that everything is her fault. Let me say that again. Oftentimes we think that everything is her fault. This is our logic. If she would just, 
I would then be able to. If she would just do this, then I would be able to fill in the blank. So we've just laid the blame on our wives. We, and what happens is we get bitter toward them. Well, they're not doing their part, so I don't have to do my part. And you begin to just get bitter and angry. And then everything that she does wrong, you're building a case against her. And it's very easy to become bitter. Guys, don't be bitter. Just love her. Again, just love. Regardless of what she does, just love. Why? Because you're investing in the kingdom of God. By the way, don't love her for anything in return. Oh, boy. Let me say that again. Don't love her for anything in return. Again, most men think if I love her, she'll do whatever I want her to do. No, that's not the point. The point is just to love her. So we see positive submission, number four. Precious love, number five. Pleasing obedience. Pleasing obedience. Notice with me in verse 20. Children, obey your parents in all things. For this is well pleasing unto the Lord. Again, this is pretty simple. When children obey their parents, they are pleasing God. Again, children, just obey your parents. Don't argue with them. Don't argue with them. Just obey. Listen, I always encourage, and maybe parents, you are different, but I always encourage my children to ask questions. Always. I would love to explain to them why a decision was made, but they don't get to ask the questions until afterwards. Until after they've obeyed. Because sometimes, hey, don't walk out in the street. They don't get to ask why and keep walking. Because by then, the car's already hit them. I love, listen, so children, ask your parents respectful questions after you've obeyed them. Ask for clarification. Just obey your parents. You won't regret it. You will regret disobeying. The greatest regrets I have as a child, as a man, right now, are looking back to when I was a child when I did not obey my parents. Pleasing obedience. Number six, produce positivity. Produce positivity. Verse 21, fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Fathers have a tendency, again, to be selfish. Maybe you're not. But me, I have a tendency to be selfish. Most of us do. We have the tendency to make our children angry. If you will, we poke them, we prod them, almost to the point of discouragement. There's a fine line here, I'll be honest. We don't want to make our children lazy. We don't want to make them uh, completely entitled We don't want to have a generation of entitled children, but we cannot push them so far as to make them discouraged. I'll just be honest, in my life I have seen myself do this. Push them so far almost to my selfishness, almost to my pride, and you can see the discouragement come across their face. So what's the solution? Here it is. Produce positivity. Produce positivity. Our job, listen fathers, our job is to make our children flourish. To grow up, to to train them in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. You're supposed to build them up, encourage them, lift them up, make them flourish. Sure, there are some times where they need tough love, right? But not all the time. Not every moment of every day. 
They most often they need love and encouragement. Love and encouragement. So let me ask you this question this morning, fathers. How can you encourage your child today? Today, right now. How can you encourage them? How can you produce positivity in them? Number seven is purposeful respect. Purposeful respect. Look at verse 22. Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. Let me ask you this question. How often do you agree with your boss? (laughs) How often do you agree with your boss? Listen, not always. Not always, right? Sometimes you do. Sometimes you don't. But let me ask you this question. How often do you complain about your boss? How often do you complain about your boss? You see, honestly, we live in a world where it is culturally unacceptable to respect your boss. It is culturally unacceptable to respect your boss. It's called sucking up to the boss. Nobody likes that. However, God has instructed us to respect and obey the master. To respect and obey our boss. But notice, not as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart fearing God. So this is not about us pleasing our boss. No, that's not the point. The point is to please God. Again, we're investing our lives into the kingdom of God. And so obeying our boss, guess what it does? It brings glory to God. Not participating in the constant defamation of his character. Guess what that does? It pleases God. Guys, listen, I don't, we don't need to talk about him that way. Yes, he's made some mistakes, but he's not all, all that bad. I'm going to get to work now. Right? Listen, guess what? You're going to have to be intentional about that. That's not just going to come naturally to you. You're going to have to put aside your thoughts, put aside your feelings, and do what God has called you to do, and just obey your master in all things. Now, honestly, you say, well, Pastor Jones, what if there's a real problem? If there's a real problem... Abuse of authority, or you, you know, you fill in the blank of he's stealing something or whatever. If there's a real problem, then use the proper channels to deal with the problem. Follow God's advice. Servants, obey your master in all things. So we see purposeful respect. Now that's seven ways. Let me run through them again very quickly. Simply a pursuit of unity. Pursue unity. Have the presence of the word of God. Positive submission, precious love, pleasing obedience, producing positivity, and purposeful respect. Now, you might be thinking this. I don't know. I don't know if it's worth it. And you sit there and you cling to your disunity. You sit there and you cling to your thoughts and the way that you think things ought to go instead of letting the word of God dwell in you you richly. Ladies, you sit there and think, I am not going to submit to that man. Gentlemen, you think, she is not worthy of my love. Children, you're like, my parents do not deserve for me to give them obedience. Fathers, you just think, ah, I'm more important than my children. I can do whatever I want with them. 
servants or employees, you don't really care about your boss. Listen, we can all think these things, but all we're doing, listen to me please, all we are doing is just clutching more to our rope. And that's where we will stay. We will never get any further until we let go, cut the rope, and allow ourselves to fall in the hands of God and just start pursuing that unity, having the word of God dwell in us, giving ourselves over to submission, giving ourselves over to loving our wives, obeying our parents, producing that positivity in our children and allowing God to work through them, and just being servants, servants that obey our masters. Listen, I want, you to, I want you just to see the results. Again, we talked a little bit about this last week, but look at verse 23. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily, watch now, as to the Lord and not unto men. Why? Knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive, watch, the reward of the inheritance. Why? For ye serve the Lord Christ. Watch verse 25. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respect of persons. I want you to understand, you will be rewarded, whether for doing right or whether for doing wrong. You're going to be rewarded. The question is simply this. Do you want to be rewarded for doing good? Do you want good rewards? Then just do right. Just do things God's way. Listen, they won't make sense sometimes. But you know what? In the end, you've invested your life into the kingdom of God. You will receive a reward. If you want to be rewarded with bad things, then do wrong. Do things your own way. Listen, I, beg, I, I would beg to, to differ with somebody on this, but I would think that there are many of you, myself included, that have done things your own way for a long time. Maybe you're sick of it. Maybe you're sick of it not working out. Why don't we try something new? Why don't we try investing our lives in seven simple ways that all of us have known about? These are not new things. We all know about them. But why don't we just start doing them? Why don't we just start investing our lives? Why don't we, here, run the risk? Why don't we just try it? Why don't we just go for it? Run the risk. Do things God's way. You will never, please hear me, you will never regret it. It may not always make sense. But you will always receive your reward. The Bible's pretty clear about that. Listen, just invest in the kingdom of God by doing it God's way. No more of doing it your way. Continue to do it God's way. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for all you've done for us. Thank you for allowing us to be here this morning. Father, would you please, please help us in these seven, seven simple ways to put off the old man, put off the flesh, and put on the new man. Put on your spirit. And Father, help us to do these seven simple things. And help us to see a great reward. 
Help us to see your great power working in our lives. Father, if there's one here today that simply does not know you as personal Savior, they're listening to this and they just don't even know who you are. They don't even know if they can trust you. They don't even know if they can take a step out. Father, would you, would you help them to know you today? Would you help them to know the salvation that you bring? Would you help them to understand uh, that you died on the cross because of their sin? You paid the penalty for their sin. They no longer have to worry about dying and going to hell. They can receive your free gift and go to heaven. Father, would you please show them that? Would you please help them to reach out if they do not know? Father, for the rest, just help us to live for you. Help us to follow your way. Help us to be pleasing in everything we say and do. We pray all these things in your name. I'm going to ask you to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. We're going to just give you a minute to take some time and make a decision. And I challenge you as always to write that decision down. And I hope that you'll take the time to make a decision before God right now and give it to God in this time.